Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening and welcome. Thank you for joining me. This is Evelyn Bowden. It's been a while since we broadcast. Uh, we're in the situation of rebuilding our audience, and we ask that you share uh, our link, our, our broadcast with others, as we have returned to doing the live radio broadcast as well as doing our podcast. Okay, the program that I had for tonight has to do with wrestling with God on His Word. And what I mean by on His Word if you're going to wrestle with God, if you think that that you want to do that, basically all you have to stand on is his word. Think about that. All we have to stand on is his word. Seeking out God, seeking to know God, trusting the spirit to reveal what is correct and right in the word. We acknowledge that the various texts that we have been studying have been compiled by men, and we are trusting the spirit within us to reveal what is right and true of the word. So what does it mean to wrestle with God? For me, I'm seeking an answer. I'm seeking clarity. I want to know something, a deeper meaning. At this point in my life, I know that he is based on my personal experience, but sometimes I come across something that I need to know from him, and I need to know what's up with that. Some people, the struggle is with death, sickness, and disease, and dying. Some people struggle with physical pain and suffering. Some people struggle with poverty and lack. Some people struggle with injustice, racism, sexism, homophobia, and all the other isms. Some are willing to wrestle with God about it. Some give up living, simply existing, waiting to die because of a particular circumstance. Some deny the very existence of God because of it. Some give up on living and take their lives and sometimes the lives of others with them. Not trusting, not trusting that they can go to God to ask, to ask a question or to express a feeling, to express how they are feeling about a particular thing. I'm going to use a couple of examples of people from the Bible who actually decided to wrestle with God. And they uh, they took him on seeking an answer of something. And then I'm going to read, and actually I'll go ahead and start with it. The thing that I want clarity on has to do with Hagar. We read about Hagar in the book of Genesis. We were studying about Hagar as we were looking at women in the Bible in one of our Bible studies at church. And as we were reading about Hagar, a red flag went up for me. And I came away with the feeling that Hagar had not been dealt with in what I would have thought was such a good way. I'm going to read uh, the 16th chapter of Genesis. It's talking about Hagar. You will know Hagar as Sarah's slave and also the mother of Ishmael, the firstborn child of Abraham. Now, Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. 
So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarah said. And so after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarah said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now she knows she is pregnant. She despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your slave is in your hand, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think is best. Then Sarah mistreated Hagar, and so she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert, and it was the spring that is beside the uh, road to Sir. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarah, where have you come from, and where are you going? Now, when I heard those, that those questions, I thought, wow, those are a couple of sermons right there. Where have you come from and where are you going? And at some point, we all need to stop and ask ourselves that question. Where are we going and where are we coming from? So Hagar tells him, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael for the Lord has heard your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hands will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility towards all his brothers. She gave the name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she says, I have now seen the one who sees me. And for the purpose of our Bible study, that was it. That was Sarah's big thing. She was the first one. I'm sorry. That was Hagar's big thing. She was the first one to give God a name. And that name being you are the God who sees me. I am. I have now seen the one who sees me. So my questions came in as follows. When the angel asked Hagar, where are you going and where are you coming from? And she told him that she was running away from her mistress who had mistreated her. And then he turns around and sends her back. He tells her to go back and to submit to her. What's up with that? She knows what to expect because she's already been through it. So, okay, I'm going back into that which I've come out of? Wow. Wow. Okay. That was the first thing. The second thing I wanted to know was how was increasing her descendants so much that uh, they could not be counted. How was that such a blessing? And also, what kind of blessing was telling her that her son basically will live a life of misery? 
he's going to be fighting the his entire life. And one translation says he was an ass of a man and that his hand was going to be against everyone and everyone's hands were going to be against him. What kind of life, this life of just constant struggle and and constant fighting, he said he would live in hostility toward all of his brothers. Where is the blessing in that? And that is one of um one of my concerns. Where is the blessing in that? And that's one of the things that I will be seeking out. I will be looking to find out about how was what transpired in that desert a blessing from God to Hagar. How was that a blessing? Now, the second uh, person that I want to briefly talk about is the choir leader for David. And then this is uh, from Psalm 73. Just going to go ahead and read it, and then we'll, we'll talk about it. Psalm 73, talking about Asaph. God is truly good to Israel, especially to everyone with a pure heart. But I almost stumbled and fell because it made me jealous to see a proud and evil people and to watch them prosper. They never have to suffer. They stay healthy and they don't have troubles like everyone else. Their pride is like a necklace, and they commit sin more often than they dress themselves. Their eyes poke out with fat, and their minds are flooded with foolish thoughts. They sneer and say cruel things, and because of their pride, they make violent threats. They dare to speak against God and to order others around. God will bring his people back, and they will drink the water he so freely gives. Only evil people would say, God most high cannot know everything, yet all goes well for them, and they live in peace. What good did it do me to keep my thoughts pure? And to refuse to do wrong. I am sick all day. And I'm punished each morning. If I had said evil things, I would not have been loyal to your people. It was hard for me to understand all this. Then I went to your temple. And there I understood what will happen to my enemies. You will make them stumble never to get up again. They will be terrified, suddenly swept away, and no longer there. They will disappear, Lord, despised like a bad dream in the morning, the morning after. Once I was bitter and brokenhearted. I was stupid and ignorant. I was, and I treated you as a wild animal would, but I never really left you. And you hold my hand. 
Your advice has been my guide, and later you will welcome me in glory. In heaven, I have only you, and on this earth, you are all I want. My body and my mind may fail, but you are my strength and my choice forever. Powerful Lord God, all who stay far from you will be lost, and you will destroy those who are unfaithful. It is good for me to be near you. I choose you as my protector, and I will tell about your wonderful deeds. Asef, David's choir leader, and he confesses that he's jealous that the wicked seem to benefit and not suffer as he did. He says, what good did it do me to be good and and to not do evil? What good did it do me? But he also confesses that it was hard for him to understand until I went into your temple. And there I understood. I went into your temple and there I understood. Basically, he searched it out. He acknowledged that he was jealous. He acknowledged his anger, but he did not give up on God. He searched it out until he found the understanding. Now, the third person that we're going to use in this example uh, for the broadcast tonight is Job. And we all know the story of Job. Job went through some things. I mean, he went through some, a lot of things. And now we're going to look at, um, at at chapter 10 tonight. But I ask and encourage you to read the entire chapter, I mean, book. Read the entire book of Job. And you will see, you know, what he went through. You will see also how Job reacted, how basically Job took God to task about it. And he accused God of some things. As we read on, it, it doesn't start in, in verse 10, which we'll, we'll go through tonight, but we'll pick up with it the next time because Job, the reaction that Job had is similar to the reaction that a lot of us have, where we basically blame God for everything. and um, but, but we'll see that Job, even though he blamed God and accused God, God, in the end, blessed him. But in, in, in between that, though, is where all the drama takes place. You have his three friends talking to him, you have his wife talking to him, and then you have um, the, a prophet Elihu talking to him, and uh, oh, the discourse is just wonderful. And the, But the most powerful one is when God walks up in there on him and calls him on it. He calls Job out for what Job has accused him of. And it's powerful. It, it, ugh, I, I just can't say, I, I can't wait until till the next broadcast when we'll go into that conversation that God had with Job just immediately 
before he blessed him, blessed him as he had never been blessed before. Wrestling with God. Job chapter 10. I am sick of life, and from my deep despair, I complain to you, my God. Don't just condemn and point out my sin. Why do you take such delight in destroying those you created and in smiling on sinners? Do you look at things the way we humans do? Is your life as short as ours? Is that why you are so quick to find fault with me? You know I am innocent, but you can defend me. But who, but who can defend me against you? Will you now destroy someone you created? Remember that you molded me like a piece of clay. So don't turn me back into dust once again. As cheese is made from milk, you created my body from a tiny drop. Then you tied my bones together with muscles and covered them with flesh and skin. You, the source of my life, showed me with kindness and watched over me. You, the source of my life, showered me with kindness and watched over me. You have not explained all of your mysteries, but you catch and punish me each time I sin. Guilty or innocent, I am condemned and ashamed because of my troubles. No matter how hard I try, you keep hunting me down like a powerful lion. You never stop accusing me. You became furious and attacked over and over again. Why did you let me be born? I would rather have died before birth and been carried to the grave without ever breathing. I have only a few days left. Why don't you leave me alone? Let me find some relief before I travel to the land of darkness and despair, the place of no return. This is a tenth chapter of Job. How often have we felt such pity, such aloneness while we're going through things? And we forget that God is still God. God is still God, and we need only to go to him. Now, when we look deeper into Job's issue with God, we will see that there was something going on with Job, which um, a lot of the teachings don't really bring out. They talk about how Job was a good man and how basically uh, Satan came and they were playing pretty much Russian roulette uh, with, with Jacob, I'm, I'm sorry, with Job's life. But we don't get to the point that there was actually something going on with Job, and I won't try to go through that tonight. We're going to look very deep at Job because Job is more akin to us when it comes to uh, things happening in our lives and and we want we want to question God, you know, if, if this is my existence, you should have just let me die, uh, or you should never have let me be born. Some of us think that we are suffering to that point that that our existence is 
what it is, and there's no opportunity to get any better. So we're just stuck in a mess, and it would we would be better off not being here. And that is so not the case. I was doing some reading about the number of young children, young black children in particular, that are taking their lives. Children, not teenagers, not young adults, but children that are taking their lives now. They're doing it as never before. And there does appear to be a connection, a religious or a spiritual connection and and that's something that we'll we'll look into deeper as we do some more study but it made me wonder if there needs to be a level of a foundation as to basically who God is and the types of uh, of things that he he does or he's capable of you know um even atheists are looking for something most people very rarely, even those that that say that they do not believe in God or a God, believe in something. And they're looking for a higher power. They're looking for something to connect with. And when they cannot connect, when it seems that there is nothing that can connect to them at their core, the soul of who they are, then that's when they give up when they're so, when they faint to the point that they do not want to live. And that's something that we need to get ahead of. I mean, the last thing that should be on a child's mind is taking his or her own life, being so hopeless and helpless that they think that that is the only way out. There needs to be a foundation of a belief or hope. And I don't want to get into names and different religions and different gods and all that. I'm I'm using Christianity or the Christian Bible as an example because that's what I have. That's my foundation. But as we begin to study we're going to see some things where we're missing the mark when it comes to what we call religion and religious beliefs but that's a deeper that's a deeper study and and as i said we'll go through that later on but i i do want you to read the book of job and um you will so that there can be a level of understanding as we um go deeper into the study. The other thing that uh, I came across as I was putting together the program was there's this push to teach the Bible in schools. And I personally uh, think that that's a dangerous thing. And again, we'll talk about that and talk about why that can be a very dangerous thing. But I I found it very ironic, though, that there was, while there's the push to teach the Bible, there was a class lesson at a particular school that had reference 
to Islam. And basically, it wasn't even teaching um, the principles of Islam or, or anything. It it asked a question um, where Islam actually could have been anything. They, you know, it could have been any common name. It could have been any name, but they just happened to, to use Islam. And a parent freaked out. Their child was not going to participate in anything that had Islam related to it. You were not going to indoctrinate her child into Islam. But if you put the Bible in the schools, depending on how it's being taught, and there's any any kind of uh, deep teaching, such as where how it, they, it came to be, or comparative studies throughout history, make more a reference to more things than just Islam. Think about it. It's the case of if you do one, uh, there is a natural progression to another thing. So anyway. Be careful with what you ask for and what you think. It, it, you can't assume that you are alone in this world and that only that your way is the only way, and and that's it, and that's the way it's going to be. Not so, not so. Uh, I was very surprised to see. I know that there has been a a push or a walking away from the church especially among young people. There has been a falling away. For the first time in church history, more more people are leaving the church than are coming to the church. Now, question is, are they leaving God or are they leaving this organized religion? Are they leaving the church because they're not finding God there and they're going out seeking or has the church somehow turned them off God, period? What's up with that? For the first time in church history, more people are leaving than are coming. Why? That's a good question. Why? For our studies, we are looking on this subject matter, wrestling with God. We're looking at Psalm 73. We're looking at Job chapter 10. We're looking at Genesis chapter 16, and we will touch on Habakkuk. Habakkuk is a short book. It should be read in its entirety because here is another person that basically um, questioned God. He he let God know that he was discontent. He, he was um, not satisfied with things that were going. It seemed... And the way things were going, it seemed that God preferred the evil that people were doing than the good or over the good. And Habakkuk talked to him about that. And when God answered him, he went to God and they had a discussion. God gave him an answer. Habakkuk understood. And his basic understanding was that God had a plan. He let some things happen, yes, but he had a bigger plan. 
And he just, Habakkuk, just not, didn't understand that until God explained it to him. Then he was okay. One of the problems were actually with Job was that Job believed that God was punishing him before he even told him what rules was he violating or what things that he was doing was wrong. He And, and at one point he does tell him, he said, you haven't even explained to me all of your mysteries, but you punish me for them. When I transgress them, you punish me for them, and I don't even know what they are. Well, if that's the case, how are we going to find out? At this point, how do we find out? We seek them out, and we we seek them out by doing what we're doing right now. You're li- you're listening to me as I'm discussing what I've actually sought out. I've actually studied. I've gone through and read some things. I've, I've read some. I read the Bible, and then I I went and got me a dictionary and an encyclopedia, and I I looked at some history. And looked at some liter- literature, some things going on in literature, uh, in history, ancient history. Searching. I am searching. And I believe that as we search things out, the spirit that lives within us will reveal the answers. But you have to be diligent in doing this. You, you've got to want to know to the point that you will seek them out. Now, don't just ask God and think that he's going to, you know, talk out of the clouds and tell you, seek him out. Now, he can do that, and we will see when we look at him, at his discourse with Job, man, did he do it. I, I would, I can just see him as he's talking through that cloud and talking to Job. I would have hated to have actually seen a physical presence of him as he talked with Job about uh, what Job uh, had had uh, accused him of. Job, more like us, I believe, in how we look at things and how we handle things until we come to our un- to an understanding. And as in, in review, read Habakkuk, small, small book, Psalm 73, Job chapter 10, and Genesis chapter 16. And we will discuss it uh, in more detail on the next broadcast. And share the broadcast with someone. I, it is my hope that as we continue to go live, that people would join in and call in and feel free to express yourselves as we talk. This is Evelyn Bowding. Thank you for joining me. And I look forward to the months ahead as we search out some things. The guest call-in number is 563-999-3494. That's the on-the-air number. 563-999-3494. Four nine four. Write it down so that you can have it somewhere and you can uh, use it to call in and be online live with us here. Uh, let's talk with Evelyn Bowden. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.